Thanks, Lindsay. See Brian's join us. So anybody else doing anything fun this weekend? I mean, I realize it can't compete with the auction event for those of us who were there last night, but. I'm participating in the West platform. Well, there you go. Can't beat that. Mm. It was Laura answered about logging off and then back on. Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't answered that yet. I was making sure I got the Facebook stream working. Um, that okay. might be a good choice at this point, yes. Can you hear me? Ooh, that's different. And we could hear it. <laughs> All right, we are now live on Facebook. So welcome to folks viewing us from that platform. Glad to have you with us. We will be starting in a few minutes. We're still a little early. So I won't mute myself yet. Up to you, either way. And Carol Rowley has joined us. Nice to have you with us. Some people must only be uh, communicating with panelists and not with attendees. Um, well, no, I'm just looking at the list of attendees, uh -huh. um, which is where its names are cropping up, even when people haven't said anything in the chat. Oh, well. Oh, no video. Gosh. Yes, Judy, Lindsay, Luke is here. Hey, Carol. Susan Runner's here. Boy, Susan. we've certainly... Hi, Gathering in the old old guard from hither and yon. Yeah, Lindsay is here, and Susan. Wow, and Carol. Great. Carol gets the prize Carol, so far right? for the greatest distance <laughs> and the earliest in the day. True. <laughs> True. That's dedication for you. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Yes, I did get another honorable mention today. Oh, congratulations again. Thank you. <laughs> Good Hi, morning, Vincent. Patty and Paul. Good morning, Vincent. Patty, Paul. Hi, Wiggly Puppy. <laughs> Good morning, Josh. Um, so far, people are really uh, tuned into this, but uh, for the benefit of anyone who uh, needs a little reminder uh, for your chat message to be seen by everybody, your settings need to be on all panelists and attendees. Hello from Judy and Randy. Good morning, Sarah. 
I know you were at the auction last night. K.O.'s Carnitas dinners certainly were very popular. I got outbid on all three of them. <laughs> yeah, the auction was a lot of fun, as always. Even under these trying and difficult circumstances. Hello from Karen Elliott from the Baltimore Society. Glad to have you with us this morning. Always glad to have people visiting us from our sibling ethical culture and UU congregations. Good morning from Catherine O and John K. Ha, Trang, you outbid me. Boy, let me see if I can ever forgive you for that, but enjoy them. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> it is 10, um, yeah, 1030. Give people just another minute or so. Yes, that's true, I did win the bingo. So hopefully that parking spot will come in handy before the year is over. Good morning, Peter, good morning, Adam. We will begin very shortly. Just wanna give people another minute or so And in the meantime, again, we certainly welcome your messages in the chat. Are the lamps still circulating? They were in the auction last night. I don't know who was the lucky winner of those. Um, I don't know whether they will actually move. Uh, even when we were having the auction in person, I don't know if the lamps actually moved. Uh, I suspect that uh, those prizes may have been virtual even before the auction was virtual. Okay, um, let's see. <laughs> Good morning, Sean. All right, we're going to get started again. As you're joining us, feel free to say hello in the chat. <clears throat> and uh, for everyone to know that you're here, uh, please check that your setting is on all panelists and attendees. This is a good time to get a candle to light during our candle lighting and whatever else you need to make yourself comfortable for the next hour or so. For some of us these days, that might include a fuzzy blanket or a teddy bear. The opening words today are a poem by Joyce Sutphin, the official poet laureate of the state of Minnesota. It's called How to Listen. Tilt your head slightly to one side and lift your eyebrows expectantly. Ask questions. Delve into the subject at hand or let things come randomly. Don't expect answers. Forget everything you've ever done. Make no comparisons. Simply listen. Listen with your eyes. 
as if the story you're hearing is happening right now. Listen without blinking, as if a move might frighten the truth away forever. Don't attempt to copy anything down. Don't bring a camera or a recorder. This is your chance to listen carefully. Your whole life might depend on what you hear. Now I invite you to enjoy our opening music. It is not by Daryl Davis, but it was as close as I could get to something that might appeal to him. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Perry Bider. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning. It's always good to be together, whether in person or online. 
Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and invite you to send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link in the chat. And we hope you join us after the platform service in our Zoom coffee hour for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, but it will close for the address itself and then reopen. If you don't want to see the chat window, you can probably close it by clicking on the chat icon on your screen or at the upper left of the chat window itself. Alternatively, you could just drag it out of the way or even stick a post-it note over that part of your screen. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP, one word. This week, our reader is Laura Tyler. Laura and her husband Vincent are relatively new members at West, but are already deeply involved in the community. In particular, Laura serves on the Community Relations Committee. The CRC's mission is to foster a congregation-wide culture of open, honest, and healthy communication about all topics, even the hard ones. And they selected Daryl Davis as the speaker for today's platform. I understand we're having some technical difficulties, so we will be able to hear Laura, but not see her. Laura, take it away. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, Laura. If you have a candle at home, now is the time to light it as we share together in our candle lighting words. Uh, are those coming up on the screen momentarily, perhaps? Or should we just do them by heart? There we go. All right. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of UNICEF's estimate that more than 400 million poor children around the world don't have the means to participate in distance learning during the pandemic. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us.
let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation and reflection. Please settle into your seat. Close your eyes or soften your gaze as you're comfortable. Take a deep, gentle breath and release it. Adjust your posture so that you're as comfortable as you can be and your body is relaxed. Take another full breath and release it. Contribute, continue to breathe in a relaxed way. I invite you to, to recall an experience where you felt truly heard. What was that like? During the silence that follows, see if you can bring that experience alive again for yourself now.
So introducing today's speaker will be Joe London, a longtime member. Some of you noticed her picture among those in the chorus just now. And you guessed it, she also serves on the Community Relations Committee. Um, <clears throat> I don't know whether we're also having technical problems with Joe's feed. So again, we may be hearing rather than seeing her. But in any case, Joe, thank you for being here with us today. The host is not allowing. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's really the host's fault, but there's some kind of glitch affecting us this morning, but we're not going to let it stop us. Could you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Joe. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. So glad you're all here today when our topic is deep listening. Many of you know Daryl Davis and the remarkable human being he is, but many of our newer members do not know Daryl, so we are going to remedy that today. Daryl has spent most of his life trying to answer the question, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? Though he may not use the term, he has sought to answer this question by using deep listening. Deep listening is generous, empathic, supportive, accurate, and trusting. And it comes from a deep, receptive, and caring place in himself. He says, we spend too much time talking about each other, at each other, or past each other. Why don't we spend more time talking with each other? So Daryl, a black man, seeks out members of the Ku Klux Klan at the highest levels, Grand Dragons, who are the state leaders, and the Imperial Wizard, the top national leader, and gets to know them by listening to their stories about their lives and how and why they joined the Klan. After a while, they also listen to him and get to know him. 
He's a fabulous keyboard artist and singer, and they love his music. For most, if not all, he is the first Black person they have shaken hands with, had a drink with, for Daryl that would be orange soda, and become friends with. And in many cases, more than 25, they have left the Klan and given Daryl their clan robes and other clan paraphernalia. Now I want to emphasize that the reason we invited Daryl here today was to focus on and illustrate deep listening so that we at WES can learn skills that will help us to put our community relations pact into action. Though racism and white supremacy provide the context for Daryl's deep listening. We acknowledge that personal racism is only part of a whole system of oppression. We are not urging our members of color or members of any marginalized group to take the level of risk that Daryl has or to put themselves in harm's way. In our pact, we have agreed to listen actively and to be open to receiving feedback without responding with criticism, judgment, defensiveness, or demand, and to communicate directly face-to-face -face when possible with positive intent and assuming positive intent of others. So I ask Daryl some questions. Please tell us some of your story. What gave you the idea of using what we are calling the deep listening approach? How did you learn to do this? How would you describe the power dynamics between you and your conversation partners? And how does that affect your conversation? Do you use any particular techniques for grounding yourself? before you start this type of conversation? Can you tell us any particular conversation techniques that you use? How is it different or the same when you talk to black people who question your methods? What would you advise parents whose children are pulled towards white supremacy online despite quite different teachings at home? So I thank you in advance for sharing your story with us today and for helping us learn how to practice deep listening. Uh, my name is Daryl Davis. I'm so happy to be back again at WES, albeit virtually this time, hopefully sometime in the future. I can, I can come in person and see everybody. And you know, you all were we're in the beginning of my journey, and West was the very first uh, place to invite me to come in and lecture on what I was doing as I was working on my book. So I want to thank you again for that opportunity and for believing in me and inviting me back, you know, almost 30 years later. So <laughs> here I am. Well, the topic today is deep listening. And before I get into that, let me just give you just a little bit of background as to where I'm coming from and how I came into to doing this type of thing. Well, first of all, 
I am the child of uh, parents in the U.S. Foreign Service. So I spent a lot of time uh, traveling overseas during the formative years of my life. I was born in 1958 and began traveling in 1961 at the age of three. You go to a country, you're there for two years, and then you come home, you're back here perhaps for a few months, sometimes for a year, and then you're reassigned back to another country abroad. So back and forth, back and forth was my childhood. And now today as an adult uh, musician with my degree in music from Howard University, I now perform all over this country and abroad around the world. When you combine my travels as a child to my travels as an adult together, you will find that I have now been in a total of 57 different countries on six continents. So I have been exposed to a multitude of ethnicities, cultures, religions, practices, colors of skin, etc. And all of that has helped shape my perspectives on who we are. And I can tell you one thing, whenever I come back home here to the United States and I reflect on my journeys, I realize one thing, no matter how far I've gone from this country, whether it's right next door to Canada or Mexico or halfway around this planet to the other side of the earth, and the people that I meet, no matter how different they are, no matter how different their cultures may be, I conclude one thing when I return. Everyone I've met is a human being. And that being said, we all want the same basic four or five core elements in our life. We want to be loved. We want to be respected. We want to be heard. We want to be treated fairly. And we want the same things for our family as anybody else wants for their family. And as long as we can understand this, these, these basic human needs, no matter where we are in the world, we can better navigate that society as long as we keep those things in mind and offer those things to people whose beliefs, whose looks, whose languages, whose religious practices may differ from our own. Now, what we're gonna talk about is deep listening today. And in my case, some very extreme deep listening, not just the family argument at the dinner table over who voted to, uh, for who, and families don't talk to each other and things like that. We're talking a lot more extreme. So if I can do this, anybody should be able to sit at their dinner table and have political discussions without fear of uh, walking on eggshells or losing a family member or a friend, or even engage in even more uh, controversial type debates with coworkers and um, acquaintances and friends, because we need to be open. We need to have these conversations. In this country, we spend way too much time talking about the other person or talking at the other person, or talking past the other person. Let's try to spend a little bit of time talking with the other person. Now, the people that I deal with, with this deep listening, are white supremacists, members of the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, or neo-Nazis, 
or the alt-right. And here's what we have to do. We have to first, before we engage in these uh, talks, if you will, we should spend some time learning as much as we can about the other person, our adversary, the other person's position, how they think and why they think that way. And this does, you know, could be any topic. Uh, it doesn't have to have to be racial. It could, you know, any hot topic of the day. It could be about abortion. It could be about global warming, the environment, nuclear weapons, the, the uh, war in the Middle East, the current presidency, the upcoming election, whatever. You know, those are all hot topics. You're on one side, somebody else is on the other side. So learn as much as you can about their position. Try to understand it. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Be objective, all right? And, and listen to what they're saying uh, when, you, when you are learning about them. Then when you meet them, don't frame it as a debate. Because as soon as you say the word debate, the wall goes up and, and the defense mechanism is kicking in. So frame it as a conversation. We're going to exchange ideas. Now, of course, there will be debate quality to it because there'll be some disagreement naturally, but don't frame it as a debate. The term debate all of a sudden gets people's back up. All right, so frame it as a conversation. So now after you've studied their position and you're ready to meet them, the idea is for you to be receptive to listening to what they have to say. Remember, I said one of the core elements that all people want is to be heard. They also want to be respected. So give them that respect to allow them to present their platform, their point of view. Allow them to be heard because they want to be heard. So if you want to be heard, then you have to allow somebody else to be heard. If you shut them down, there is no reason for them to, uh, to listen to you. Now, you don't have to respect what they are saying, but respect their right to say it. As an example, I formed a question in my mind when I was age 10, and I was the only black participant in a Cub Scout parade. Everybody else was white. And most of the people in the, uh, along the sidewalks uh, were cheering us and you know waving at us and all that kind of thing. Except when I passed by one small group of people, I began getting hit by bottles, rocks, and soda pop cans because they did not like me. And I did not understand that at the age of 10. I had not done anything. And it was later explained to me by my parents. It was due to the color of my skin. So I formed a question in my mind because my 10 year old brain could not process racism. And that question was, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? And I've been looking for the answer to that question for the last 52 years. And here's what I've come to find out. So I would interview leaders and members of the Ku Klux Klan. When they walk into a room and they see me sitting there getting ready to interview them, their wall goes up. I am not the object of their affection. I am the object of their disdain, their hate. 
I am the enemy. That is why they are in the Ku Klux Klan to begin with. So that wall goes up automatically when they see me. And during the interview, they are all about attack, attack, attack. They are superior, I'm inferior. They are, after all, a supremacist. So I, I am inferior to that in their mind. So when I ask the question, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? Now, I've already done my homework. I know a lot about the Klan. So if you want somebody to respect you, you must have knowledge of their position and talk with them like you know what you're talking about in terms of their position, and they will respect you. They may not like you, but they will respect you because you've done your homework. Trust me on that. So I know a lot about the Klan. So I ask the question, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? And then I sit back and I listen. And what I'm told is this. Well, Mr. Davis, black people are prone to crime. There are more black criminals in this country than white criminals. This is evidenced by all you have to do is look at our prison system. There are more black people in prison than white people. So what the man is saying, now he's sitting two feet in front of me across a little coffee table. What he is saying is true. Indeed, there are more black people in prison than white people, but it's a half truth because he is not considering the imbalance in our judicial system that puts more blacks in prison than white people who have committed the same crime or even people who are perhaps innocent or not guilty of all the charges where black people get stiffer sentences than white people or and also there are a lot of poor white people and black people in prison and they're there because they could not afford adequate legal representation so they take a plea deal to something they may not even have done. They may not have done anything, and they're there because they could not afford a good defense. So he is not considering those factors. All he sees are more black people in prison than white people, which is true. So that fits his narrative. And understand something. One's perspective is one's reality. So don't focus on trying to change somebody's reality. Focus on their perspective and feed them information to, for their perspective to question itself, and then their reality will change on its own. So I just sit back and listen. Then he goes on to say, you know, Black people are inherently lazy, that Black people prefer to scam the, uh, the government welfare system, and that we want uh, all the free programs and all the handouts we can get because we don't want to work. He goes on to say that Black people are born with a smaller brain than white people. And the larger the brain, the more capacity for intelligence. Now, there had been a book that had come out around the time that, uh, that I was interviewing some of these people uh, when I first started. It was called uh, The Bell Curve, which was full of nonsense. And it uh, more or less said something like that. And even though these people did not read the book, just the fact that it was in there and they knew it, 
they would tout the book around as though it was some type of uh, of Bible uh, to to support you know their their narrative. But anyway, so my brain is small. It doesn't have the capacity that a white brain has for IQ. And he goes on to tell me that this is this is uh, obvious and evidenced by the fact that uh, black students, high school students, consistently year after year score lower than white kids on the SAT. Again, that is true, but it is a half truth. Let's consider this. Where do most black uh, kids go to school in this country? Most go to school in the inner city. The school systems in the inner city are not as good as the school systems in the suburbs. That is a fact. Now, I will tell you this. Black kids who go to school in the suburbs score just as high, if not higher, than many white kids who go to school in the suburbs. And white kids who go to school in the inner city score just as low as those black kids in the inner city. Those SAT scores have absolutely nothing to do with the size of someone's brain. It has to do, or nothing to do with the color of their skin. It has to do with the quality of the educational system in those places. So with that in mind, I'm just sitting back listening to all this. I do not push back. I do not interrupt. Now, my doing, being quiet and just sitting back doing nothing but listening to him throws him off of his game. He is not used to that. Usually when he talks to somebody who he considers to be an adversary, somebody like me, within 45 seconds, there is pushback because nobody wants to be insulted. insulted. So they allow their emotions to get ahead of them and start pushing back. That is what he is accustomed to. And he's more accustomed to that than you are. Anybody who is going to be putting out controversial views like that is used to having pushback. And they have become almost immune to it. You are not used to that. You're not used to being insulted like that. But they are used to doing the, the offense. So don't let your emotions get in front of you. Sit back and listen. Now, when you do that, you throw that person off their game. They're not used to somebody listening to them for that long without pushing back. Sometimes the pushback is verbal. Sometimes it can escalate to physical and get violence, violent. And then what happens? The whole conversation shuts down. And that, that's over. It's done. You, you can't go any further than that when, when you erupt in violence or verbal violence or physical violence. So we try to avoid that. By my not pushing back and listening and letting somebody get it all out, what is happening is that wall is being lowered. All right, the guard is coming down, the wall is being lowered. Simultaneously, as the wall is being lowered, earplugs come out. In some cases, hearing aids go in because when the wall is up, their ears are plugged to anything you want to say in resistance 
to what they're saying. They're not hearing you. The idea for you is to plant a seed. Plant a seed over on their side into their ground. You cannot plant a seed when the wall is up. The seed will hit the wall and bounce back to your side. The wall must be down for you to cross over and plant that seed. Now, as I said, what they were saying was offensive. Am I offended by what I heard? Absolutely not. And why am I not offended by being called a criminal and being told that I'm lazy and on welfare and that my brain is small and I'm unintelligent? Why am I not offended by that? Because it's a lie. <laughs> why would I be offended by a, by a non-truth? Think about it. Why would I be offended? Why would you be offended by a non-truth? That's the problem. Too many people let their emotions get in front of them. This man just met me 10 minutes ago when he walked into my room. And already he knows more about me just based on what? The color of my skin. He knows I'm a criminal, I'm lazy, and I'm unintelligent. Why would I believe that? Now, if my mother or father were to tell me, as a kid or whatever, Daryl, you know, I think, you know, you are, you're prone to crime and, you know, you're, you're lazy and, and you're not very bright. Maybe I would believe them. After all, they brought me into this world. They raised me. But not someone who just walked in the room and all they see is the color of my skin and make these, uh, these assertions. Don't let your emotions get in front of you. Now, this way the wall is being lowered and now he is more receptive to hearing what you have to say. And in fact, when you grant that person the right to be heard and, and, the, and the respect to listen to what they're saying, whether or not you respect what they say, they feel compelled to reciprocate. So now they're willing to hear what you have to say. You've given them that platform. Now it's your turn. I could attack him and I would, I would be well within my right to attack him for making those accusations, those false accusations about me. I could say, no, you are the criminal. You are the one who's hanging black men from trees and, and, and bombing black churches and dragging black men behind pickup trucks and all these kinds of things. You're the criminal. That is true. Everything I just said was true. We have proof of those things that have happened by the Ku Klux Klan. But if I attacked him like that, what would happen? The wall would go back up. The earplugs go back in and they shut me out, all right? I wanna keep the wall down. So rather than go on the offense like that, I go on the defense and my defense is actually a rebuttal and it's actually an offense as well but they don't realize it because how, of how i do it what i do is this i say you know i hear what you're saying however i don't have a criminal record nobody in my family has a criminal record i have never been on welfare nobody in my family has ever been on welfare as far as 
my brain, my brain size, I've never measured my brain size, but I'm sure it's the same size as anybody else's. And as far as SAT scores go, my SAT scores were good enough to get me into a university and I have a bachelor's degree. Both of my parents had master's degrees. My father was working on his PhD. Now I'm saying all this in defense of myself, my family, and other people who look like me. But I'm saying it knowing that this person does not have the education that I have, that he barely made it out of high school. I know that I have more education in my little fingernail than he and his whole clan put together. But what would happen if I threw that in his face? That wall goes right back up. So by my not attacking that way and doing it this way, he hears what I'm saying. And that seed has already gone across that wall and been planted in his ground. All right, now, here's the thing. And I can tell you this for a fact. I've been doing this now for about 36 years. And there have been numerous, numerous times when people have left that ideology and have given me their robes and hoods and renounced that. Some of them even come out with me on lecture tours and, and share the stage with me and speak out against that ideology and, and their former organizations, such as the Klan or the neo-Nazis, uh, et cetera. And here is what happens. They go home and later that day before going to bed or whatever, as we all do, we reflect on what we did during the day. And they come to our conversation, they, they reflect upon it and think, you know, wow, I just had a three hour conversation with a black man and we didn't fight. You know, we disagreed on some stuff, but we didn't come to, come to blows. And what he said about such and such, it made sense, oh, but he's black. But what he said was true, oh, but he's black. So they began having this cognitive dissonance where they know what I said was true, either because they know it to be true or they've researched it and found it to be true. And then they're left with this dilemma. Do I believe the truth and disregard his skin color and change my path, my direction? Or do I consider that it came from a black man and continue living a lie? That's a very hard decision for some of them to make because they know what is true, but they don't want to accept the fact that the truth came from someone black, from someone that they despise. So do they believe the truth because they know it to be truth, true and change their direction, or they keep on living a lie knowing that they're living a lie just because the truth came from someone who, who they despise because of the color of their skin. In the end, over time, and it doesn't happen with just one planting of the seed, that seed has been planted, but you must go back time and time again and water that seed, make it bloom. And you do that by providing more information and you, you do it in a subtle, non-aggressive manner. When you start getting aggressive, those walls go up. Keep the walls down, have a conversation, not a debate. So in the end, most of them, think about that 
and they change their course of direction. There will always be those who will never change. You know, they will go to their grave being hateful, violent, and racist, and there may be no changing them. But if somebody is willing, even somebody with those same feelings is willing to sit down and have a conversation with you, there is an opportunity to plant a seed. But you must plant it properly. You must first lower the wall. And then when it's your turn to speak, don't go on the aggressive attack. Attack by defending yourself and they will hear you and they will think about that when they get home. They're not gonna change overnight. You know, they didn't, they didn't come into that ideology overnight. So it's not gonna go away overnight. You must return and water the seed. But the main thing is planting the seed. And how do you do that? You do it through deep listening. You're gonna hear plenty of things you may not want to hear. You're gonna hear plenty of things that are indeed offensive to you. Do not let your emotions get in front of you. Realize that you know, when somebody makes a personal attack on you and they don't know you, don't be offended. They don't know you, okay? They, that is their perception. One's perception is one's reality. So don't try to change the reality. Work on their perception by providing more information about yourself. And then you can show other people who look like you, who feel the same way, or who, or who have done the same things, or not done the things that they are accusing you of, uh, of doing. That's deep listening. And if I can go that far to cause that many people wearing robes and hoods and swastikas to give that up and give me those robes and hoods and swastika flags and renounce that ideology. Anybody out there can do it. You know, I am a rock and roll musician. I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist. So if I can do that, anybody out there can do it. And another thing you wanna keep in mind is this. Listen to their words very carefully. You know, they might fly by you, but be, be cognizant of what they say and how they say it. If someone says, uh, you know, you ask a question or they're trying to, to justify their, their uh, point of view, and they say, do they say, well, I feel that such and such, blah, 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 or do they say, I think such and such, blah, blah, blah. There's a big difference between saying, I feel that such and such, or I think such and such. Feeling is an emotion. Thinking is logical. So are they defending that belief from a point of emotion? Or are they defending it from a point of logic? Are they feeling what they're saying? Or are they thinking about what they're saying? One is logic, one is emotional. One is not necessarily better than the other. But you have to know where that person is coming from. Because if that person is coming from a point of, um, of emotion, no amount of logic is going to affect them. They're not feeling it. You get to meet them where they are. You have to give examples that defend your point of view from an emotional standpoint. Because they can relate to emotion. 
And if they see your emotion, then it gives them pause for thought. Oh, huh. Yeah, I guess I could feel that way too. That's where you want to go. If they're coming at you from a, I think that such and such, they're, they're using their own logic. You go to their logic and you give them other logical examples because their brain thinks logically. And then they think about what you said. Well, yeah, I guess that could be. That, you know, that makes sense. They're analyzing it. All right. Don't hit them with emotion if they're thinking logically. It's not going to work. You must go to where they are. So listen when they give their point of view. Do they say, I feel, or do they say, I think? And that's your lesson in deep listening for today. Thank you all very much. Uh, my name is Daryl Davis. I'm so happy. Well, that was a lot of food for thought. In a few moments, we will have our community sharing time when you can share what resonated with you today. You may want to respond to today's framing question that you can see on the screen. Consider a time when you listened deeply in a particularly engaging conversation. What did you gain from it? For now, let's contemplate, rest, and reflect as we experience the beauty of the musical response from Julie Grimes and Leah Morris. Somebody wrong, make it right. Don't hide in the dark, you were born to shine. In a world full of hate, be light. La la la, la la. In a time that needs change, make a difference. In a time for noise, just this. For this life is just a you gotta live it. In a world full of noise, make a difference. In a world full of hate, be alive. When you do somebody wrong, make it right. Do somebody wrong, make it right.
hard to live in color when you just see black and white in a world full of hate be arrived all right this is the time oh first of all i have to apologize i didn't realize that josh was also in that song. So thank you, Josh Duffin. Loved hearing all three of you together. So this is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. Again, you may wish to consider the framing question <clears throat> about uh, what you gained from listening in a particularly deep way in an engaging conversation. Uh, but in any case, I will try to uh, summarize as many of the um, chat comments as I can, and you're also welcome to uh, post on Facebook. So um, some appreciation of the music I'm seeing. Uh, Jeff Michal is wondering if Darrow could teach this as part of a West class. Um, Peter saying he did a great job distinguishing between logical arguments and emotional arguments. Uh, what else did I miss up here? Yeah, Sarah Morgan said that um, it's been hard the last four years uh, to maintain her deep listening. She says, I've become exhausted and very emotional in my response to racist haters. I need a reset. I understand that it's been a difficult time. Uh, Trish agrees that we're all going to have to do damage control. Nancy McGuire, I've gone through so much of my life being terrified of confrontations. Ethical Culture and Daryl Davis have given me practical instructions on how to engage in conversations and listen to things that upset me without going into fight or flight mode. Need to hear this again and again. Thank you so much. From Josh, deep listening for me is constant balancing, uh, constant balancing act. Sometimes I lose my balance. Well, nobody's going to get this right 100% of the time, uh, Josh. Um, Dorothy Broadman, wonderful platform. It would help me to hear examples of responding with emotion. I think those might be uh, from personal stories uh, where you yourself or someone you know um, had a moving experience. Uh, Trish, at some point, I hope we can engage with Republicans of goodwill. Daryl's points are more than well taken. Julie Grimes, I think recognizing that we don't have to respond with offense to lies, particularly right now. Yeah. I am. Diana says, this is my first platform and I learned so much from Daryl and the group today. Diana, thank you for sharing in the chat. Welcome, we're glad to have you and hope we haven't scared you off. Love to see you back here again another Sunday. All right, I think. Uh, oh, Di thank you, Diana. She says she'll be there. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm guessing about the pronoun. Uh, may not be she, but anyway. Anne Glenn Denning says, I find I have to protect myself. I have successfully done what Daryl said when not feeling afraid of the other person. Yes, again, as I think one of the things that he really emphasized was um, these falsehoods um, don't, ha don't have to have power over us 
if we don't uh, take them to heart. Oh, it is she and her. Okay, Diana, thank you. All right. Um, I think we're going to move on to our share the plate. Uh, just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Uh, as we re prepare for the collection, I'd like to uh, repeat our welcome to visitors. We invite you to be our guest today. Uh, ask you not to feel pressured by the collection. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they're able. Usually the Sunday collection is split down the middle, half to our partner organization of the month and half to Wes. This month, because of the extreme timeliness of the work of UU The Vote, our partner this month, we're doing that differently. Um, you can donate directly to Wes and or directly to UU The Vote. To donate to Wes, you can send a text to 202-335-1885 or give online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. Uh, to donate directly to UU The Vote and choose whether to receive communications from that campaign going forward, visit giving.uua.org slash vote love or text vote love to 91999 and you can see all that information on the screen. Whether your gift is dedicated to supporting this community or to the work of helping people exercise their right to vote, we thank you for your generosity. And thanks to Josh Blinder and the West Band for the music we are about to hear. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware Think it's time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines Everybody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speaking their minds are getting so much resistance from behind. It's better to stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. Your life, it will creep. 
It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line The men come and take you away Think it's time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going You better stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Wow, what a great rendition of that. Thank you to Josh Blinder and the West Band. Thank you to all of our musicians today, including Leah, Julie, Josh Duffin, and the West Chorus. And thank you to everyone else who's helped create this morning's time together. Uh, Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator. Uh, Jen Watson, who created our slides, beautiful as always, and Robin Kravitz for communication support and hosting our coffee hour. And of course, thank you to tech host John Pfeiffer, without whom none of us would be seeing or hearing each other. And thanks to all who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. Uh, please join us for a virtual coffee hour after the service. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups for small group social chatting. To get to coffee hour after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour, one word. And at noon today, uh, I hope West members will take an early exit from the coffee hour to join us for a candidates forum for the Lay Leadership Development Committee election that is now underway. Members, you should have gotten an email from electionbuddy.com at 9 p.m. on Thursday evening. Uh, please check for that email if you haven't already seen it. And if you don't find it in your inbox, uh, check your spam folder. If you don't find it in either location, please send an email to us at lldc at ethicalsociety.org so that we can uh, fix that problem. Uh, <clears throat> we have some up other upcoming events in the near future. Um, if you've been attending for a while and are thinking about whether you might like to become a member of the Washington Ethical Society, we would love to have you join us for a four-session Path to Membership class that begins next Sunday, October 25th. If you're interested in attending, please contact Maceo Thomas again, maceot, M-A-C-E-O-T, at ethicalsociety.org. And coming up in two weeks, the BSA Troop 1123 has a Halloween hike for West Youth coming up on Saturday afternoon, October 31st, Halloween. Uh, for more information on that, please email scoutmaster1123, again, one word, at gmail.com. And a reminder that our weekly 16th Street Vigil and Sidewalk Chalk Art Witness for all ages continue each Friday evening at 4.30 outside of the West Building. We have various other opportunities for West members and friends to check in during the week, a variety of support groups as well. You can find the details for these and all the other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Finally, thank you for being here with us. 
invite you now to listen and perhaps join in on our closing song for the month, We Shall Be Known, recorded by the Thrive Virtual Choir. Beautiful. Now I invite you to join in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, listening to our hearts, each other, and our neighbors in our quest for a better world. Again, thank you for being here with us today, and please join us for coffee hour. You can find the link on the slide or the chat. It's tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. 
And if you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. So glad that you could be here with us today, and I look forward to seeing you again here next Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful week in the meantime. Thanks so much.